Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about breaking free, and you just saw a video about that, about the strongholds, those things that that we need to break free from. We, we describe these things as strongholds. Strongholds. They're things that keep us prisoner by the use of deception or lies. It's when we live a life that's based on lies and not truth. And it's these things that keep us from living and discovering the promises that God has for us. A good, um, a good definition of that that we've shared over the last few weeks is what Beth Moore says. She says, anything that exalts itself higher in your mind, pretending to be, more, to be bigger or more powerful then your God is a stronghold. How many know that there's some things that hold us back? Some strongholds that we need freedom from. Uh, the first week we talked about, we, we got real deep into strongholds. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the stronghold of addiction. And I will talk just a little bit just so we can touch on, on addiction. Um, we know that some of the, the addictions that are obvious are drugs, alcohol. Uh, but there's some that are that are real undercover. And I know last week we talked about a cell phone, how that can become such a huge addiction for us. Um, social media can be an addiction. Gambling can be an addiction. And one that we really fight a lot, if we're very honest, and, and that's very prevalent in the society we live in, live in today is pornography. Um, one of the lies about addiction was this, is that addiction wants to become your identity. And we talked a little bit last week about how um, the 12-step program, which we're not against that by any means, um, but the 12-step program tells us that it's, it goes kind of like this. So today I say, I'm Mark Navales, and I'm an alcoholic. And 10 years from now, I still stand up and I say, I'm Mark Navales, and I'm an alcoholic. But when our Bible says that that's not necessarily true. The Bible says that I'm Mark Navales, and I'm a new creation. That's the, the program that I, I, I signed up for when I, when, I, when I begin to live out the, the truth and not the lies of that stronghold. And it comes a point where I cannot continue to, to declare that over my life, but I have to declare something new. Um, we talked about how uh, the, the lie of addiction says that there's no hope, that there's no uh, answer to your addiction. But how many know and have experienced freedom in the house from addiction? Amen. Um, and, and it looks very different. There, there's things that hold us captive or hold us in bondage that are obvious again and then some things that we don't even notice that we've just accepted in our lives. Maybe we grew up in a house that, 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 that had these things that we just accepted as, as part of who we are. But as we come to Jesus, he begins to uh, show us through the Holy Spirit that there's something greater. He begins to reveal to us that what we thought was okay is not okay. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5, it's 3 through 5. It says, and this is the verse we've been talking about every week as we've been uh, talking uh, or, or sharing this message on breaking free. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power 
to demolish strongholds. I'm going to read that part again. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Pretension is just a, a pre pretending, a lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I mean, know that we have to take some things captive, right? Because if you don't take them captive, they will captivate you. That's what this is saying. There's some things that we've allowed in our lives. There's some things that we say, okay. There's some things that because the, the world we live in say is okay, that we begin to accept in our lives. And, and you know, uh, uh, last year I talked, or last week I talked about the addiction uh, of pornography a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about it that today as well. But, uh, but I shared about, now I just feel like sharing this again. I, I, I shared like in, in the United States Army where I served for 26 years, how prevalent, and not just the Army, it's all over, but in the Army, I remember being uh, overseas and, 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 and having so much uh, pornography around everywhere we were, and it became accepted. It was, it was, it was okay. Um, and, and, and believe me, it's all around us, and, and it becomes a stronghold. And so today, we're going we're gonna to talk about sexual strongholds um, and, 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 and how they affect every every one of us and the truth is that the church does not talk about it enough unfortunately our students and even ourselves we get we get the opinion of the world on it we get our ideas from the media um, but we never stop to see sometimes what is God saying about this what does the word of God say about the sexual strongholds that we face and it's one of the greatest strongholds that we face today um, and there's a lot of misconception inside of the church and especially out of the church about what this thing is about. And so we're going to talk uh, about it directly today because we are under assault. We are under attack. And everywhere we turn, we get bombarded by this stronghold of, sexual, uh, of sexuality. The Bible says that clearly that in the last days, the world will become extremely sexually promiscuous. And I don't know if I'm the only one in the room, but how many know that that's true? That that's true. It's, it's prevalent. It's all around us. It's not just a, a man thing anymore. It's a, it's a people thing. Like We all have struggles with this. And, and, and the, the, the attitude of I'll do whatever I want, I'll do whatever feels good, is a, a, a demonic attitude. It is not a godly attitude. It is not an attitude of self-control. And the Bible says that, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, one of the gifts is what? Self-control. And, and we need to have that self-control. We have to choose how we're going to live in this area. Um, I, know, I know a lot of churches stay away from this subject. Um, and we, we don't want to touch on it. But I, I feel like we have to talk about it. Because sex is a beautiful thing. It is God-created. Uh, uh, some... some of us maybe grew up in a very traditional church where it wasn't addressed enough, uh, where, where, where it was looked at as something dirty, something ugly, something bad, yet you, could, you were supposed to save it for the one you love, but it wasn't talked about. But today we're going to say it very clearly that God created sex. God created the intimacy of sex. 
God created the intimate, the beauty of it and the fulfillment of it between a, a husband and a wife. And so very clearly the Bible teaches us that it is a gift from God for a husband and a wife. How many can say amen to that? So let us begin to define what that looks like. The book of Romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 25. It says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. What is this saying? It, it's saying that the ideas or the, the, the conception or the idea of what, what sex should look like out in the world um, is not clear because they're far from God, because they haven't considered God's truth. And because of that, they begin to think of foolish ideas of what God is like. As a result, it says their minds became dark and confused. As a result of that, their minds became dark and confused. And, and what, I, what I would say about that is, is when you're around some of this stuff, or around it, your heart becomes dim. Your heart becomes hollow and empty. And, and, and so, when we're trying to do this with our own uh, ideas, which many times are lies because they're not true, we become dark and confused. It goes on to say, claiming to be wise, because they think they're wise, but instead became utter fools. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with, with each other's bodies. And they traded the truth about God for a lie. It very simply stated, it, it, they traded uh, uh, God's promises for strongholds. And I think a lot of times in our spiritual walk, we're living with some strongholds and we're, we're missing out on God's blessing. We're missing out on God's promises because we've accepted this stronghold in our lives. And this one in particular is very strong. So today, let's, let's talk about four things or four lies about sex. The first one is this. Sex is an animalistic action. It says this. It says that you should respond to how you feel. That you should respond to your feelings. The world we live in says your feelings are who you are. Uh, and I would say to you that your feelings should, cannot and should not define you. You are not how you feel. You are who God says you are. If you're led by your feelings, or if I'm led by my feelings, and I'm going to walk around by how I feel, then I, then, then, then I wouldn't be up here right now, right? I can't even be, I can't leave this church. I can't by how I feel. I have to do it by who I am and understand who I am. And that's why I need God's truth in my life. So that I'm not walking around just how, how I feel. And most people we're around, they live a life about how they feel. And you can't move forward if you're just walking around according to how you feel. Because there's some days you're gonna feel, right? Like. Like getting up in the morning. There's some days, but, but in this life, if you want to move forward, you have to make some decisions. And I remember a long time ago, when, when one of my mentors, I had to be like 18, 19 years old, and I was in a, in a, I was in a crossing uh, a point in my life, and, and, and I was trying to make some decisions in my life, and I was a young man, and then I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it all figured out. And I got to this point where where I knew I had to make a decision in my life. And I remember I met with my friend, and he was uh, about 25 years old, had his own apartment, so 
he was a pretty cool mentor. He had a little, he had a good job, and sometimes he'll buy me something, you know. So we, but he was a nice guy, and uh, but he was a he had just had an encounter with God a few years before, and I remember going to his apartment and, and sharing my heart with him. And I'm like, man, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what decision I'm supposed to make. And he said this to me. He said, he said, Mark, are you a real man? And here I am, 17, 18 years old. And I, I thought I was a real man. I said, well, of course I'm a real man. And he says, well, a real man makes a decision and a real man sticks by his decision. And I said, hold up. And he said, so make a decision and stick with your decision. And it was a very difficult thing because I didn't want to make a decision in this case. He was, my, my decision was, what I, was I going to live for God or was I going to live for what felt good? And I didn't want to make a decision there. And I remember him coming into my face and telling me, make a decision, Mark, and stick with your decision. And it hit me the wrong way. And I looked at him and I walked out. And I got in my car and I pouted. And I pouted and I pouted like a little baby, right? But after I got over that, I came to my senses and I said, you know what? He's right. He's right. He's right. As much as I didn't want to hear that, I'm so thankful that that man told me these words because it changed my life. It made me think back like, I, if you make a decision, then stick by your decision. The Bible says that your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? It's a matter of character. It's a matter of your character. And uh -uh, whether you're going to be wishy-washy or you're going to man up and be a man or woman up and be a woman. But if we're in between, then there's danger there. If we're, we're in that little in-between. And so it just came a point. I'm so thankful and it hurt and it bothered me. But guess what? I went to that person the next day and I made a decision, even though it hurt. I said, here's my decision. My no is no, right? And some people were hurt along the way, but guess what? It changed my life. It changed my life. And so we have to be very careful that we're not just being led by our feelings, but there's some decisions to be made. There's some choices to be made. And so when it says that sex is an animalistic action, don't put it on your feelings. Don't blame it on your feelings. Don't be defined by your feelings. In other words, it's time that we must subject our feelings to the Spirit of God. Because you are not an animal, and I am not an animal. The Bible says that we were created in what? God's image. And if you follow your feelings, you'll kill your spirit, man. The spirit within you dies if you're just led by your, your, your feelings. Um, the second lie is that sex is a recreational activity. That's a lie. Uh, that, that we just do it for fun. It's a one-night stand that, that everybody's doing it anyway. That, 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 oh, it's just spring break or, or, man, I can't even remember what her name was. It, it, sex is more than a recreational activity. It is a spiritual act. It is a union of two souls where something very deep happens. The Bible says that two shall become one flesh. So it's deeper than a physical uh, occurrence. It's a soul. That happens. So it's more uh, than, a, than a recreational activity. The third one is that it's an isolated event. That's a lie. It's not an isolated event. Every time we're involved in a sexual encounter, a part of us stays in that encounter with that other person, and a part of that person stays with us. Um, the lie that says that, that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas 
it, it is a lie. Because what happens in Vegas stays in your heart and in your soul. And we all need some healing from this. And that's the beauty of where we are right now because no matter what we've done or what we've seen or what, what our past looks like, we see serve a God who's able to forgive us. We serve a God who's able to bring us freedom. We have, have a God who begins to change our mindset because he's faithful, because he loves us, because he didn't come to condemn us, but he came to what? To save us. And we give him glory just for a moment. Another, another lie about sex is that it's just physical. We just said that, no, it's, it's spiritual. Uh, it's more, it, more of your life uh, is in the spiritual than we know. And, and I can, I can, I can kind of explain this a little bit. So we live in this physical world that you can touch. Um, we can feel this world, right? But the spiritual world is even bigger. It's bigger than what we can see. It's much bigger than what we can see. And, and, and I'm going to share this, and maybe not everybody's going to understand this. But, but there's, there, there's a lot of things that happen in the spirit, right, that we don't see. Um, and there's some good things that happen in the spirit, and there's some very bad things that happen in the spirit. And, um, and, and we have to begin to understand that and begin to say, Lord, can you open up the, my, my spiritual eyes so I can begin to see things in the spirit, so I can see them beyond what I can touch and feel and smell but that I can begin to see things in the spirit so that my spirit man can, what, can grow. And so we don't just get stuck because guess what? This physical body is going to die and it'll stay here. But the spirit man and woman that is inside of you will live eternally. So we need to start walking like that. We need to start thinking like that. We got to start looking like that, right? Amen. Listen to this. Chris Hodges says this. You are not an earthly being having a few spiritual moments. You are a spiritual being having a temporary earthly experience. In other words, that our spirit life is eternal. It's forever. And that is the one we have to become more concerned with. That is the one we have to be what invest more in our spirit life than just the physical. That's why fasting is so important. That's why taking time uh, uh, to, to read the word and so forth. That's why when we pray, we're, we're praying in the spirit as well. We're giving time to the Lord. So when we pray, when we're praying, we're just not speaking and speaking and speaking. We're taking time that the spirit will minister to us. And so let's understand that it's not so much about this earth and what we're feeling and, and experiencing, but what is happening in the spiritual realm. How many want to get a little deeper in the spiritual realm? I do. I do. I want to go deeper in the spiritual realm. Powerful spiritual realm that God has for me and for you. Uh, sex is more spiritual because it involves intimacy. And intimacy is the highest form of pleasure for your spirit. Intimacy, God created intimacy. God's all about intimacy. So intimacy, I'm going to say it again, is the highest form of pleasure for your spirit. So when, when you talk about uh, the act of, uh, of sex between a husband and a wife, it's a, there's a physical aspect that is, that is real, but there's a spiritual aspect that is occurring there. Sex was created for one man, one woman, a husband and a wife. That's how they're described in the Bible. And one fire. One fire together. 
And, and I, I think I can kind of vouch for this because the closer I, I can really vouch for this because the closer that I get to God, the closer my wife who's in the background gets closer to God, and the more our union becomes one, then the experience is just is more beautiful because it's what God intended. It's, it's when it gets all messed up, when all this other junk gets in the way that, that it gets messed up. Um, and, 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 and we're talking about a fire. And so it's me and my wife, and we got a fire going, and it's cozy, and it's, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's what God intended it to be. And, and, and guess what? God is in the midst of that fire. When God is in the midst of that fire, then there's some power in there, there's some beauty in there, right? Because God is about that intimacy. Because see, sex, what it does, it represents the, the it represents the relationship between God and between Jesus and His church. And more than anything, Jesus wants intimacy with His church, right? And more than anything, we should, as husbands, should want intimacy with our wives. More than anything, not with the girl next door, not with the girl at work, not with something on a on a tablet or on a phone. But it should be with our spouse. And how many know that that, that, that that thing is messed up in this world, right? It's not what, it intend, what God intended it to be. Um, God, God, God intended this to be a husband, between a husband and a wife. Uh, he, 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 he wants it to be a powerful, uh, vivacious, exuberant, a beautiful experience between those two. And, and, and we need to allow... Uh, his love to flow through us, not only as a couple, just as we're walking up, but also in our marriage bed. That's what God intended. Uh, another lie another about sex is that it's just physical, the one we just said. Um, real love is defined by a commitment for a person, not a feeling. It's a commitment, a choice. So a commitment... Like I said earlier, a decision that we make, I decide, I choose uh, to marry uh, my wife. We had a wedding here yesterday, and we do vows, right, for better or for worse, sickness or poor, you know, sickness or health. Um, and those are the things, those are the, the choices that we make when we come into um, a, 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 a marriage vow. It's a promise that we make. Um, As we're walking in this, whether you're married or not, man, there's temptation. It comes all around us. It's everywhere. And so the Bible tells us in the, in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of the body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is Paul talking uh, to the people of Corinth. He's saying, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He goes on to say, who, who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And as we, as we get closer to God, as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to move in our hearts and our spirit and, and begin to minister to us, then we begin to what we want to honor Him with our body. And so now, because if we could get very transparent, 
Pornography is everywhere. This is just one example. There's more, but I would just talk about that. Pornography is something that 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 devil uses as a lie. So we're just gonna go a little example because it's it's everywhere. So you look at it, and then all of a sudden you justify yourself. So well, that that wasn't so bad because I know the guy next to he watches something worse, right? Oh well, that's not bad because I you should see what he's doing, right? And we start to compare ourselves to other people. Because be, it's a stronghold, right? And the stronghold, all it does is lie to you. And then you start to believe the lie. And you start to justify your sin, right? Well, I'm not as bad as him. Well, I'm not as bad as her. So this is okay. But the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible says, don't compare yourself to your brother or your sister. Compare yourself to my word. And then it's when we get in. And then all of a sudden we said, hold up. I can't keep doing it. I can't keep justifying this. I can't keep justifying because if it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's sin, it's sin. I, I need to stop. I have to choose to stop this because I want to what? What it says here, I want to honor God with my body. I want to honor God with my mind, right? And as we begin to do that, then we can move forward and we begin to experience his promises. How many here want to experience God's promises? I do. I want something more from my God. I know he has something more. How many know he has something more for you? Yes. We got to get to a point and say, I know, I know there's something more. And the more I even, you know, walk in this walk and I get around some other people, the people that I see kind of moving forward are the people that say, I know there's something more for my life. I know God has, despite, no matter, even though there's something more for my life. And as we experience the greatness of God, as we experience his grace, his mercy, because yeah, we've all sinned. We've all struggled with this in some form or fashion, but we begin to understand that he is a God of grace, a God who loves, a God who forgives, and we begin to embrace that. Then we begin to get a different mindset, and then we begin to say, and guess what, God, you've delivered me from that, but there's more. God, you delivered me, and you freed me from that, but there's more for me, and I want it. And as we begin to go after it, and we begin to seek it, we begin to find it. And as we begin to find it, we begin to what make a difference, not only in your own life, but the people next to you. And all of a sudden, your life begins to matter because God created you so that you would matter. How many want to matter a little more? So what do we have to do with this stronghold? There's four things I want to share. Um, four things. To overcome some of these sexual strongholds, because these things are sneaky. It's not just yeah, and if your computer, you'll see it. Right now, right now, if you pull out your phone, you you're like two or three, four, maybe three or four clicks from from seeing something that that that's messing with you, that'll mess with you in a, in a sexual manner. But there's all kinds of things. Back in the day. It was soap operas, and it, yeah, you can still see soap operas, but it would meet a need for, because there's, so this isn't exclusive for men, this is for women and men. And so you had soap operas, you had these novels, I, I'm just going to say it, that Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever that, that's pornography for women. That's pornography, so, so I'm not, you watch it, you watch it, you know, but, I, but, but I'm just saying, there, it's because it feeds that thing that's missing in your life. So we got to be very careful what we're reading, we got to be careful what we're watching, um, and because what, what it'll do, it'll, it'll steal, it, it begins to steal the true essence of what sex was created for. That's what it begins to do. That's what pornography does. It steals from your marriage bed, and it begins to lead to unfulfillment. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, God wants you to be pure and keep clear of all sexual sin. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and clean. So what do we have, what, what do we have to do? We have to make a commitment to God's way. We just talked about that earlier. Number one, it should be on you. Make a commitment to God's way. Not be led by our feelings, but allow God to lead us. We have to learn how to say enough is enough. We have to learn how to say no to some things. And I'll talk to even the, the, the ladies or the young ladies in the house. If there's a young man, he's making promises to you, and he's trying to push you to a place that you know you're not supposed to go, don't go there. Say no to Learn how to say no. If you got to stand in front of the mirror and say it ten times, no, 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 because you know it's hard for you, then you need to do that. But be very careful. Protect what God has given you. And not just for the girls, but for the boys too. It's for, for, for everybody. We can't be led by our feelings. We need to learn how to make some decisions, some, some choices. God honors your choices. Number two, manage your mind. Manage your mind. I just said that we're like five minutes, or five seconds away from being able to see a, a, an image that dims your soul. Um, the porn industry, just so you understand, is bigger than the NBA, NFL, NHL, and Major League Baseball combined. And the average age of a, of a person to, to watch something or be exposed to pornography is uh, 9 to 10 years old, and it keeps going lower and lower. And so we need to manage our minds. We need to have self-control. Um, we need to understand that this is not okay. Because everywhere we go, we're hearing that it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's on the front page of, 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 of every newspaper, of every... Uh, You'll see it all the time, and it's flourishing. Uh, there's no, uh, nothing is hidden. Everything is out on the open. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. I love that it says, Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit is by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It's about surrender. It's about saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. It's about getting to a place where you just surrender to God. Say, Lord, even though it feels like it will be good, I'm going to say no. Even though everybody else may be doing it, I'm going to say no. Even though my sister did it, even though my brother did it, I'm not going to do it. Because you are the one who controls my spirit. How, how many can say amen to that? It says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. This leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and there is peace. Number three, we must maintain healthy relationships. Relationships are key in this. We need other people around us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 30, 33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. And my, my, my grandma always said, 
they leave their thing in. It's tell me who you hang out with, and I'll tell you who you are. Yep. So we gotta understand who am I hanging out with? Who's influencing me? Uh, who? who and, and I would just say this to the men and to the women: we need some people around us who are gonna help us in this walk, who are gonna encourage us in this walk, who are gonna tell us uh, the truth, right? And we need to be those people too, even when it hurts, we gotta be able to say the truth to some folks in love and in grace, so that we can see them uh, grow, but it takes relationship in order to do that. That's why uh, I think we need to establish some godly relationships around us. In this church, we have something called reach groups. So every we have semesters, three semesters every year. And in June, we'll be starting our, our summer semester, and we'll have reach groups. And I said, if you're part of this church, please, 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 Join a reach group. What is that? It's a small group where people come together. They, they may study the word. They may they may, they may do some activity together. But it's about what? Establishing relationship. It's about establishing allies. How many in this room have been impacted by a reach group? How many have had their life changed by a reach group? There's been life change happening in the reach group. We had a young man. He was here in the first service. He went to the first reach group, a kingdom man reach group, first time. And he sat there, first time ever. And, and he sat there, and by the end of the reach group, he stood up. And he says, I've been with her for 10 years, but I never married her. And he says, I'm going to marry her. It happened in the reach group. And guess what? We married him here on this altar a couple weeks later, and then we got time to run it didn't happen in a Sunday service, it happened in a reach group. That's what I'm saying, join a reach group. But we, you need relationship in this. You were, God didn't intend us to fight this thing alone. He intended, he built us to do this together. Do I want to share all my business with people? I don't. But there's some things I need to share with my brother in order for me to get go forward. And God will provide the right people in your life for you to be able to do that. He's done it for me, he'll do it for you. Is there some risk? Yeah, there's a little bit of risk, but if you're trying to do this by yourself, if you're, if you're walking alone, you will fall all by yourself. If you're walking with somebody else, they'll help you stand up. Hallelujah. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, it says this. It says, make this your common practice. And this is why we talk about a reach group. Confess your sins to each other. It's just being transparent. It's all, that's not that, that you got to go into all the details of your sin. Now that just means talking to them and say, yo, man, I'm going through it, man. I don't even feel like praying no more. I don't even know which direction I'm going. That's what that is. It's just being transparent. And saying, man, I'm, I'm a little lost. I, it, I mean, it looks like I got it all together, but I don't got it all together. That's what it's confessing that, man, I'm hurting. Can you pray for me? Can we live life together? Can, 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 can you hold my hands up because I can't hold them by myself no more? How many know that this walk entails that? This Christian walk, this journey is not about you doing it by yourself. You, you can't live out the promises of God You're fully by yourself. God is about unity because he knows unity is not easy. He's about unity because he knows it takes some effort. He's about unity because he knows that it don't always feel so good. How many know that God's not about making you feel so good? He's about making us move forward, right? And as we move forward, we begin to feel a little better. As we move forward, sometimes it hurts. But guess what? We're moving forward. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Understand that he is the author and finisher of my faith. And I put my faith in him. And I need my brother to help lift me up when I can't go no more. 
Sexual stronghold, if you keep that thing and you don't tell somebody I'm going through this thing, you'll die with it. You'll die with it. You got to tell, you got, you got to share some stuff with some people and this ain't fun and it ain't easy. But it's about being transparent because God honors it. God honors it. If I wouldn't have done that in my life, I would not be standing here before you. A moment in my life when God called me and I said, no, I'm not doing it. And God said, you need to confess your sin to, to that person. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, I justify. I said, God, I don't have to confess it because your word says, I use the word of God. I said, your word says that you take my sin, you put it at the bottom of the ocean. Why do I have to confess it? He said, okay, have it your way. And I kept walking forward. Two months later, Holy Spirit says, go confess your sin. And I said, uh-uh. Your word says that you take my sin, you put it at the bottom of the ocean. He says, have it your way. And I kept walking. Three months later, Holy Spirit says, go confess your sin. And I said, okay. And I went and I confessed my sin. And the pain just came off. All this freedom came. And guess what? I heard the person confessing it. Right? I heard them destroy the person. I had to go and it took months and years to to reconcile that relationship, and God has reconciled it. But guess what? That is what allowed me to move forward. I would not be standing in this place if I would if I would, if I would have kept saying it. Have it your way, Mark. Have it your way. Guess what? I would not be standing here before you. I stand here not because I'm perfect. I stand here not because I'm better than anybody in this house. I stand here because I was obedient to the word of God. And it took a while for me to get there. And it wasn't easy. And it hurt. And if you want to get there, I'm telling you right now, it's not easy. And it's going to hurt. And it's not going to be pretty. And it's not going to be fun. But you'll be able to move forward and you'll be able to discover the promises that God has for your life. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to go to that place? To that stronghold? That lie? That lie? That lie? That lie? That lie that holds you back? That lie? That lie that you want to say, I'm taking this to the grave. Have it your way. Have it your way. You'll take it to the grave along with his promises. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.